The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, Dr. Kian Vu. What an amazing story. Talk about inspirational. And he's got a book called The Thrive State. Patty, are you thriving? Of course. Wow. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. How do you feel about food trucks? I love food trucks. Really? I do. What do you love about them? It's just like niche, right? It's like usually specialty type foods. Hello! Hi, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you? I'm crushing it today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Oh, good. I'm doing great. Good. Welcome, everyone, to this podcast called The Lab Report. It's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. If you're new to this show... Oh, you don't know what you're in for. Welcome. And if you're returning, thank you. You know what you're in for. And if you like this show... Perhaps you should go to iTunes or Spotify and maybe subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, leave us some feedback there, some stars. That's right. And if you have additional feedback, you can send you all of your feedback. All of it. To podcast at gdx.net. We get tons of them and we're working our way, we're working our way through. We try to get to every single one. Right. And most of them are from Joe. We just, <laughs> we throw those in the trash immediately. Yeah, we need a spam folder for Joe. He needs to be blocked. Something. I should respond to Joe, though. I should actually, I should ask him because I've got some questions now that it's springtime. Mm -hmm. Is he actually going to rake the leaves before he mows or Mm. is he just going to mow right over them? Well, maybe a personalized email from the Michael Chapman will help motivate him. But speaking of our email, we actually heard of our guest, Dr. Kian Vu, based on an email, someone who recommended we check this guy out and get him on the show. Man, and are we glad that we followed up on that email because Mm -hmm. Dr. Kian Vu is pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, not just what he has done, such as writing the book, The Thrive State, which has the subtitle of Your Blueprint for Optimal Health, Longevity, and Peak Performance. I can get behind those things. Oh, We can all get behind those things. I mean, I can totally get behind that. The other thing I can get behind is that we actually found a TED Talk that he gave, which was so inspirational and so much great information that we said, let's get Dr. Canville on the show. Yeah, that's really good. But another thing that I can really get behind, yeah. he's got a nonprofit called the Live Again Project, oh, yeah. which I can't wait to ask him about. I can Super get behind inspiring. that too. Yeah. So there's so many things to get behind here. <laughs> Are we starting to get behind? We're getting behind a little bit in time. Yeah. Travis has given me the look. <laughs> let's call Dr. Vu. Okay. Travis, calling right now. So, Michael. Yeah. Guess who's here? I know. I'm excited. I know. Dr. Kian Vu. And for those of you who may not be familiar, perhaps you live under a rock. Dr. Kian Vu received an undergraduate degree in biochemistry and a medical degree from the University of California, San Diego. He is a board-certified diagnostic and interventional radiologist who eventually left conventional medicine on a mission to help people reclaim their health. His vision not only stems from miraculous recoveries he witnessed as a physician, but from overcoming his own health challenges. He is fellowship trained and board certified by the American Board of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine. Dr. Vu founded the Vu MD Clinic to specialize in human optimization and integrative medicine. He is also assistant professor of health sciences at UCLA and the author of the upcoming book, 
Thrive State, your blueprint for optimal health, longevity, and peak performance. His TEDx talk, voluminous online content, and animated live events all focus on holistic approaches to healing. Dr. Vu founded the Live Again Project as a nonprofit community for those touched by cancer to inspire the greatest versions of themselves. He's been featured on numerous national television outlets, including The Doctors and Access Hollywood, as well as many local and national news stations, magazines, and newspapers. And with that, welcome, Dr. Kian yeah, Vu. We're honored, honored to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> You're well, I'd like to start here because your story of how you came to the United States is so fascinating and compelling. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that journey and, and how it shaped your path to medicine? You got it. So I was born post, uh, post-war Vietnam. So mm-hmm. the uh, northern communists had come in and actually raided a lot of the people the businesses that were uh, in South Vietnam, my parents actually had a pharmacy business that was all taken away. And mm. they knew that there was really be no future f- for themselves and then their child uh, mm-hmm. there in Vietnam. So it was 1978. I'm aging myself right now. <laughs> uh, and uh, they, they tried to, es- to escape by boat. In fact, the first attempt at escape, my dad was caught and thrown in a uh, re-education camp you wow. know, by the communists. Wow. And, that was when my mom was pregnant with me. Wow. So I wasn't even born with my dad by my side. And when, when he saw me, he cried and he was like, we need oh, to get out of here. Yeah. We tried again and we boarded a refugee boat with other, with 2000 other uh, refugees. We were in the bottom, bottom of the boat you packed like sardines. Everybody in the boat uh, got a chance to know me as an infant very well because mm-hmm. we were right next to the restroom and people had to step over us. Oh, and so wow. every time they used the restroom, uh, but I nearly died. I, I got dysentery and I was, I became the only surviving infant on that boat. I was on that boat for eight months because there was no rooms in uh, the refugee camps. We were actually docked in Manila Bay, uh, no room there. Uh, you know, when room finally opened up, we spent another three months there and then we were sponsored to America by a Catholic church. Wow. And you would think a child that had gone through that experience had, had survived death would feel very grateful um, <laughs> to be growing up here, but I did not. Oh. We, we, I grew up in Chinatown, Los Angeles, in a very small one-bedroom apartment with, you know, my dad, my mom, uh, my dad's brothers. So it was very, very wow. crammed. I grew up, and I got bused to a more affluent area mm-hmm. uh, for school. Mm-hmm. So I recognized uh, the the material differences that I had with the people that were there. So. I didn't grow up feeling like I was grateful. I grew up feeling like I was not enough. Wow. You know, I, I looked at the other kids. Uh, I was co- constantly being teased for the stinky food my mom cooked, for the holes in my hand-me-down clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, any type of not enoughness, not smart enough, not tall enough, not American enough, not white enough, I felt that growing up. Yeah. yeah. And as a child, I had an intuition of wanting to use my voice in, in media or entertainment. I didn't know what that was, but I looked at I looked at my heroes, and they were like Tony Robbins or Robin Williams uh-huh. or Mick Jagger, people that could really move other people. But I looked at them and I said, "Wow, that doesn't look like me at all. I don't see anything, anybody who looks Asian who who ha- who has that kind of voice." Mm-hmm. So I I had this intuition I wanted to do something, but I didn't really have the role model. Um, and, you know, also growing up with a, um, immigrant mother, 
she, she told me very kindly, Kian, you really have three choices. You can be an MD, a physician, or a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I ended up going to medical school. That's how I ended up going to medical school. But I grew up with this feeling like I was not enough and I needed something external. I needed something external to kind of prove to myself of my worth. And so I actually used that MD uh, and that white coat to be respected. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So I, I, I constantly you know, strove to uh, you know, elevate my rank in the hospital, in my group or whatnot. Um, and I realized that not being aligned, not listening to that intuition or voice will get you to be stressed in your life. Mm-hmm. And then with that ongoing stress, people end up picking up habits that they don't want to pick up. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, I find myself a couple of years in as a uh, interventional radiologist, I became overweight, diabetic, hypertensive. Whoa. And um, I was on prescription medications. Mm-hmm. That wow. was about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the walk into medicine was, um, you know, it wasn't something I desired to do, but I, I recognize now why, number one, I went to a conventional uh, medical school. I understood, you know, you know, disease, but I didn't understand some of the root stuff until that started to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that's really my path to medicine and a glimpse as to how I actually ended up getting chronic disease. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. What an interesting story. That is a great, that's a really interesting story. But you gave a very famous TEDx talk called The Unconventional Prescription, you are your best medicine. Can you talk a little bit about that vision and your mission, which it sounds like came from, as you're describing, becoming a, a sick, successful doctor? Yes, exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll use air quotes for that for people who can't see <laughs> successful in air quotes, right? <laughs> I find myself about five years ago, like I, I had bought a fancy house, a fancy car. I've flown around the world to speak about uh, t- you know, topics in interventional radiology. Um, but... You know, I would look like I would look at myself in the mirror and I see behind the white coat, there's somebody who is overweight, who is diabetic and who was hypertensive. And I said, wait a minute, I'm getting the early stages of the people that I'm treating in interventional radiology. And I said, there has to be a different way. And unfortunately, I knew that if I continue to, you know, take on the treatments of conventional medicine, uh, I would just end up like the person I treated before. They, mm-hmm. they're, they're just starting on medications. And if they just continued life as is, they would take higher doses of their medications and eventually probably need some kind of procedure from me, whether it be an atherectomy, whether it's putting a dialysis catheter in, something like that. So I took a hard look at my life and I just said, hey, you know what? I never really asked myself. I never really learned. I learned about disease, but I didn't really learn about health in medical school. Mm-hmm. And that's when I did a really deep dive on nutrition, on epigenetics, on uh, anti-aging longevity medicine. And I, I synthesized all these things. And when I had these new new tools, I actually reversed those chronic diseases in four to six months. Wow. It, it was that quick. Yeah. Wow. And when I was able to understand that we can, we have much, much, much more control over our health, over our cellular health, whether or not we get chronic disease, and if I was able to reverse those conditions, you know, so quickly, I knew that I had to share that message. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the message that we actually own. The, the, the choices that we make make up what I call the bioenergetic state. We'll talk about that a little bit more because that relates to my book. Our, the choices that we make make up the bioenergetic state of our cells. And our cells are constantly listening to the information from its environment, dictating it 
to either get into a thrive state, which we will enjoy peak performance, longevity, um, and, and, and great immunity, or our, our, our cells are not optimal. And then that leads to states of inflammation, stress, a drop in immunity. And unfortunately, you know, I'd like to say that it's a chronically low bioenergetic state that one, we've got chronic disease and two, why America is not dealing so well with the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. It's a lot of interesting things that you just said there. I'd like to touch on one of them because you, you kind of said it's the choices that you make. And it makes me wonder if you're in your own story, was there a specific moment where you said, this is okay, I'm making different choices from here on out? Yeah. So there wasn't a, you know, an epiphany. I remember rounding. I, this was, this was the point of time where I knew I was overweight. I was diabetic. I was feeling tired all the time. I wasn't getting any sleep. And, uh, in fact, the, the girl I was dating, I thought I was going to marry left me for another man only mm -hmm. because I, I was just so focused on succeeding at work and I'm using succeed with air quotes again. Mm -hmm. I spent so much energy trying to succeed that, you know, my, you know, my, my lifestyle, my habits, my choices led me to just feeling like crap. So I just had a lot of symptoms. And I remember rounding the hospital thinking, this is a terrible year. Um, I was going to do a paracentesis. And for those pe people who don't know what a paracentesis is, it's the removal of fluid in someone's belly. And the person I was going to remove it from was a 43-year-old uh, pancreatic cancer patient that had malignant wow. ascites. Um, mm. And uh, I looked at the chart as it removed 10 liters. And I was expecting to see this guy who was really frail. And, and this guy must have it worse than, than I did. And I, I, I told myself, I remember opening the door. I was thinking, all right, I, I should probably perk up because I, uh, this guy is probably really, really sad. Mm. I walk into the room. And he does the exact opposite. I walk into the room. He looks at me. He says, hey, doc, how are you, man? <laughs> well, I felt his energy. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you've got a terminal diagnosis. You're about to get 10 liters drained. How are you so, how are you so happy? And he told me something that, that, that I, I take with me now um, always. And he said, doc, it's easy. I am so grateful to be alive. And I get to choose. I get to choose how I show up every day. And I choose to show up with love, with joy, and spread happiness. And in that moment, it reminded me of a quote of a uh, of Holocaust survivor, Viktor Frankl. He said, mm -hmm. between stimulus and response, there's a space. Mm -hmm. And in that space is our power to choose our response. Wow. And in our response lies our growth and freedom. That means whatever's happening to us in the world, Whatever our circumstances, we could always choose. We always have that power of choice. And when I recognize that, when I recognize that, you know, this guy who has very unfavorable circumstances can still choose, you know, how he shows up, I can choose how I show up in my life a little bit different. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. is one to be more authentic of, of, of who I am, you know, reconnect with the people in my life. And it was, it, it's been a great journey, but with that journey comes this bioenergetic model that I apply to my clients now. And uh, it's really been a gift. Wow. So my, 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 my chronic disease has been my gift. Wow. That's amazing. Well, I would say, so, so you're sick, you, you finally make this choice, you're going to change your life, you sell whatever you needed to sell, you quit this job, you founded the VU MD Clinic to kind of help yeah. others, and you wrote this book called Thrive State. But 
One other small side project that you began is something called the Live Again Project. So what inspired that? The Live Again Project is a, a platform for people to be able to share their cancer stories. So as a interventional radiologist, a lot of what I used to do was uh, a lot of interventional oncology. So I used different electrodes to be able to ablate tumors. I um, you know, treated a lot of liver tumors through endovascular techniques. So I, had a, I dealt with a lot of cancer patients, um, which is why the oncology world was so close to me. Mm-hmm. The Live Again Project is really um, a platform for patients to share the stories. And what was the purpose of that? Well, number one, it is great just to have community to be able to hear of other people going through what you're going through. Mm-hmm. The other great thing about stories is that if we could start changing our stories, we start changing our biology as well. Right. So a lot of people that have shared their stories ended up telling me, just like I told you about my chronic disease, it says cancer was the best thing because, you know, honestly, I didn't start living Huh. Until I was awakened to the fact that, you know, I only have one life to live. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. prior to the diagnosis, they didn't look at their 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 mortality at all. Hmm. And afterwards, they started to live a little bit more consciously. So mm-hmm. there is a power of 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 you know there is an empowering medicine when we start to tell empowering story to ourselves because when we could feel those emotions associated with a new story, we drop inflammation. You know, uh, markers like IL-1, IL-6, TNF-alpha, those levels go down. When we can get into a space of gratitude, we recognize our immune system goes up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who have shared these stories or have changed their stories, I noticed had different prognosis. So that was another wow. thing. The last thing was legacy. Mm-hmm. It was people who may have, you know what, everyone's going to die. But, you know, the people who had start to understand that we really have a finite time in this world. And they started this, to decide, I want to leave something behind. Our, I am now more in touch with my purpose than anything else. Maybe a story can inspire somebody else in the next generation. And what we also did was we also performed funds that, you know, if there was a charity or something like that, that uh, a, a patient was going through, we tried to support that so that their purpose lives on. Wow. Um, so that's what the Live Again Project was, was all about. Wow, that's fascinating. That's great. That's great. Great work. You certainly have found your voice, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we talk a lot about diet and nutrition and different diets. And, you know, there's always the, the diet of the day, keto, paleo, vegan, what have you. Um, and the importance of nutrition just in, in functional and integrative medicine. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about your approach to diet and how it relates to the Thrive State and your understanding of sort of optimal wellness peak performance? You got it. So um, I look at I look at diet and I have to say this to everybody. There are a lot of uh, eating styles. I like to call them eating styles. You, <laughs> I like you start that. To say, <laughs> I, do, I like that too. You start to say diets, it becomes almost ideological you yeah. know, um, yeah. for, for, for people. And we got people arguing what's the right diet and the wrong diet. And, and um, you actually get, you, you, I've actually gotten a lot of hate DMs from, from people who <laughs> share different diet ideas. It's crazy. Right, right. <laughs> But I want to let people know that there is no one universal diet that is right for everybody. You know, everybody's nutritional status and their nutritional needs are going to be different depending on, you know, your body type, your genetics, your activity level, what your health goals are, and whether or not you're dealing with a chronic, you know, condition. So that's number one. And the thing is, what might be the right diet for you now 
may not be the right diet if you change your lifestyle. So it might be a different diet Mm -hmm. a month from now or a year from now. So one, no universal diet, uh, you know, first off. The second thing is there might be some ideological or religious beliefs that make you decide, you know, to go with, you know, a certain way of eating. And that's great. I, I completely support that. Just understand that with certain eating styles, uh, you may need to supplement a little bit more. For example, vegans are, you know, chronically low in vitamin B12 and vitamin D. Mm-hmm. So know, know that and know that you need to supplement. For me, myself personally, um, you know, somebody in my community, which I'm pretty sure you all know, you know, you know particularly in the functional medicine world, right. Dr. Mark Hyman uh-huh. just released his Pegan diet, yeah. yep. uh, which is a combination of, you know, the best of paleo and the best of vegan which is eating lots of vegetables, all the colors of the rainbow, eating that, and then having some really clean sources of, of meat, you know, sustainably raised, grass-fed, grass-finished mm-hmm. beef, and pasture-raised chickens and pork, you know, and lamb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I subscribe to the Tepigan diet, and I also add intermittent fasting to my, to my uh, um, lifestyle, and they've been great. That's great. And, you know, here in functional medicine, we do think about diet and nutrition as biochemical messengers and ways to turn your genes on and off. And we know that epigenetics is a hot topic these days. What do you think are the best tips for kind of biohacking our genetics for well-being and longevity? And and perhaps you touch on this in the Thrive State. Great question. So I want to let people know, some people look at anti-aging or longevity and think you've got to spend so much money on all these extra gadgets or toys mm-hmm. and all these things. I think they're great. But they only move move things a couple of percent, mm-hmm. right? The best way to hack your genetics, and this is why I'm so excited about um, my book, is I've worked, you know, I've done a lot of research in terms of, you know, uh, looking at all the different factors that affect our, our, the way DNA is being expressed. And there's actually basically, our cells are constantly, constantly listening to all the different types of energies. We're all energetic beings and we're always taking in energy, whether it be light, sound, nutrients, love, mm-hmm. connection, all these yep. different energies. And um, I, I worked with a famous epigeneticist at UCLA, Steve Pohl, and we boiled things down to seven key things. Mm-hmm. That's sleep, nutrition, movement, stress and emotional mastery, Hmm. Our thoughts and mindset, relationships and community, and finally purpose. Hmm. Wow. Those seven key things are the lifestyle things that you, we, you and I can all control. And if we focus on those things, we focus on those things, our risk of getting chronic disease is very, very low. In fact, if you still feel like crap after w- working on those seven things, uh, then, then you see a functional medicine doctor and we do some additional testing. Mm-hmm. But I think for everybody else, know that, you know, health for the most part is free. And when you can take a hundred percent responsibility and recognize that if you master those seven factors and in the book, I, 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 we go into all the little different habits that you can take on so that you can create your own blueprint. Well, that's really how we hack our genes. If we focus on those very, very seven simple things, uh, it will hack our genes to, to promote the, what I call the thrive state, which is all about healing, growth, a low inflammatory environment, 
um, and longevity for our cells. Great. Yeah. And I just want to let the listeners know, we're going to put a link in the show notes to Dr. Vu's free guide to epigenetics. It's thrive2105.com. So that we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's those seven things. It's so interesting because I feel like in functional medicine or just across integrative medicine, we get hung up on a couple of them, you know, and yeah. Yeah. like the one, the big ones that you mentioned that stand out to me are like purpose, mindfulness and mindset and mastery of emotions. Like without those, then you have a really hard time actually making the adjustments such as diet yes. and exercise. So it's, and you know, putting that on level playing field, I think could be so important. And, and you bring up a, a great point too. And here's the cool thing. Everything is energetically connected. You know, mm -hmm. when we start to, let's just take one thing. We start to sleep better. We start to sleep better. Our circadian rhythms are good. Our hormones are, are optimized. We're going to have more energy to exercise. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. We start feeling great. We are then, when we exercise, we'll, we'll find ourselves in less stress. That less stress is going to cause, you know, our, our microbiome to be, to, to, to be more intact, reducing our risk of getting, um, you know, dysbiosis and chronic disease. Mm -hmm. They all are connected to each other. So the cool thing is this. If you could just tack on one change to elevate your bioenergetic state, it makes you know, making the changes in the other seven areas of life a lot easier because you've got energetic momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and with that too, you know, in this area or sorry, era of the pandemic, we've been so stressed with lockdowns and everything and feeling isolated from our friends, our loved ones. Like what impact do you think that this has had on health and what are a few strategies we can do to kind of work our way through this and, and, and raise our bioenergetics? Great question. Uh, isolation, loneliness has a significant impact on mental, emotional, and physical health. Uh, and I talk about that in, in the relationship chapter of my book because we are social beings. Right. Uh, I think one key thing to note is, you know, social distancing, you know, should really be physical distancing right. Mm -hmm. right. and not social yep. distancing. Right. Yes, we, we should be six feet away from each other and quarantine, you know, in, 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 in areas that are very where the virus is is is, uh, is is hot but it doesn't mean that we can't pick up the phone it doesn't mean we can't facetime we can't it doesn't mean that we, we don't you know use the technology to main to make sure that we are still connecting mm -hmm. here's the here's the funny thing i i looked at the whole social distancing thing like when the pandemic happened i thought oh my gosh what's going to happen to my brick and mortar practice mm -hmm. and you know, what will happen when everything slows down? You know, initially I thought this was the most terrible thing, but it's really given me an opportunity to connect with my partner. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm recently a new dad and, oh, you know, congratulations. Our, congratulations. Our, our baby, our baby Kaya is a COVID baby. Oh. Uh, um, but it's really allowed us to become closer. You know, we've really worked on our relationship and, you know, Ram Das has a phrase, he says, um, struggle is the sandpaper of our awakening. Mm -hmm. You know, I know my chronic disease was, was in, in that way. And I know that the coronavirus is really here to allow people to rec you know, to, to see for themselves that no matter what's going on outside the world, I could still, I, I still have sovereignty over my internal environment. Mm -hmm. So I think it's forcing people to, to become, okay, if I'm getting stressed out with what's happening out there in the world today, what can I do? What can I do for my self-care? And it's, and it's giving people extra tools. So some people, for some people, it might be journaling. For some people, it's breath work. For some people, it's virtual online connection. Mm -hmm. um, 
It could be all these things, or it could be going out to nature more. And I think that the pandemic has allowed people to go, wow, you know what? We were very distracted in our world, world before, but I still have sovereignty on how I show up, how I feel. And I, and I think for me, it's allowed me to be a lot more resilient. And that's the great news. I think people are going to come out of this. Uh, the world is going to be a much more resilient place. It's also highlighted that you know our, our weaknesses of, of not having a great bioenergetic state puts us at risk of getting disease. Mm -hmm. And it's going to awaken a lot of people. A lot of people mm -hmm. are going to say, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm not going to let this virus get to me. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And then people could really, really, really start focusing on their own power uh, uh, to heal. So profound. Dr. Kian Vu, you are inspiring. You are profound. This has been so great. We're so honored that you spent time with us. But before we let you go, we do have one last question. Yeah, I always have uh, a totally off-topic question. I hope you don't mind. All it's right. a surprise <laughs> question. It's called the fireball. Um, the fireball. Actually, so we've, I've been thinking about nature a lot, actually, as you mentioned, and, and sort of reconnecting with nature in a lot of ways. And yeah. it led me to this question. Do you have a favorite wild animal? <laughs> Do I have a favorite wild animal? That would be an eagle. <laughs> wow. Nice. Yeah. It, there's something about an eagle of, of just being able to be solo, independent. You know, he or she knows himself and is always soaring. Um, wow. I, I, I can relate to that. That's yeah. profound. What an answer. I mean, that's, that's a great. good answer. It's a mic drop answer. Well, we're so grateful. And we want to encourage all the listeners to check out your book when it comes out, Thrive State, Your Blueprint for Optimal Health, Longevity, and Peak Performance. Go to thrivestatebook.com. Also, check out the link for the free guide to epigenetics, thrive2105.com. And Dr. Kianbu, it's been an honor, sir. It sure has. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Man, that was Whoa. great. I feel inspired. Whoa, I feel so ready much to go. There. there was so much there. I'm ready to raise my bioenergetics. What stood out to you? Well, something that stood out to me was something that was profound. I mean, here we are over a year into this pandemic, and I had never heard anyone question the term social distancing, right? So he was basically saying it's such a misnomer. We don't want people to be socially distant, maybe physically distant, but we still need that social interaction. And there's so much to dive into in this interview, but what stood out to you? I think it was that overall aspect and relationship to disease as having the capacity to teach you something about yourself. Mm, yeah. um, and I remember first hearing about this when we were in like oncology class and hearing different case stories and things like that, where there was, there did, there seemed to be two groups of people where one people saw their cancer as a learning experience. Um, and so the fact that to hear him say that and walk through that again in his story about encountering his patient with pancreatic cancer, um, I just, Every time I hear that, mm -hmm. I think it's a good reminder to to understand what what these diseases have the capacity to teach us and to flip the script. Yeah, and he took it a step further and founded that Live Again project, which I think is amazing. And he's an eagle. You ever have flying dreams? Yeah, I, I think so, but not the way he's describing it. It sounds much more majestic the way he describes it. Mine's usually floundering out of the sky. When you have flying dreams, are you like swimming in the air? Are you like moving your hands and arms like in a swimming motion? Is that how you fly in your dreams? It's really just soaring. It's not like flapping my arms or swimming in the sky. It's really just soaring. So you never get off the ground. You just, you're. I'm already up there. I see. Wait, so you're telling me in your flying dreams, you're on the ground, you get a running start and start flapping your arms? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. Those are the less graceful ones. Sometimes it's like a hop combination where I like wow. hop three times and then I shoot off into the air. Uh -huh. Other times I can just kind of go. 
I, it probably depends on my mind state, honestly. Here, here's the bigger question. Do you stick the landing? I usually wake up after I crash into the tree. <laughs> Next time on The Lab Report, spooky ghost stories. Ooh, I like spooky ghost stories. Do you? Actually, no. Well... You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Do you have like a scary scene of a movie that stuck with you when you were younger oh yeah so many from the shining like yeah like him driving that little tricycle around the house or the twins standing in the hallway any of the bathrooms creep me out this is a scary movie i'd put that in the top how about you you're a scary movie guy yeah so there's that scene with large marge from peewee's big adventure (laughs) that really (laughs) freaked me out when i was younger how how much younger i was 36 (laughs) 